there's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into ancient Egyptian traditions. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Today's episode features dramatizations and discussions of sexual content, homicide, gore, and violence that some people may find offensive. We advise caution for listeners under 13. Long ago, the world was a battleground, lawless and brutal. The harsh sun god, Atem, shone down upon the earth every day, drying up water and driving people mad. The only food mankind could find was its own flesh. Neighbors devoured neighbors. Fathers devoured sons. While many gods were indifferent to this suffering, there were two whose hearts ached for mankind. Osiris, the god of fertility for blessing the shores of the Nile with bounty, and Isis, the goddess of nature. Osiris, husband... Why do you cut down the wheat that you've grown? Human beings live in fear. They need a food source they can control. This wheat might be turned into something more substantial. Oh, Oh, you've cut your hand. That wound looks deep. It's nothing. Let it be. I know you're strong. You don't have to prove it. Sit down. I'll stop the bleeding. Not just the goddess of nature, Isis was also the creator of medicine. With her knowledge of plants and herbs, she could create remedies for nearly any ailment. She cleaned her husband's wound, then wrapped his hand in linen. Do you feel any pain? It feels like new. Isis, my love, why are you crying? (laughs) Every day I hear desperate people cry out in pain. I could take it away in an instant if only Atem would allow it. It's distressing, I know. But if you defy Atem and cause dissent amongst the gods, things will only get worse. Then why are you providing the people with food? Atem's decree is that people must suffer the heat of the sun. Never once did he say they could not eat. You can reason your way around anything, can't you? Anything but you, my dear. Now, with your permission, may I return to my work? Just don't hurt yourself again. More than anything, Osiris and Isis wanted to end mankind's pain. They would do whatever it took to bring order to the world, to find peace. Such peace, however, would require a sacrifice far greater than either god could ever imagine. Welcome to Mythology on the Parcast Network. Every week, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. 
I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. Today we're focusing on Osiris and Isis, pivotal gods in ancient Egypt. Together they brought balance to the world, but not at all as they'd planned. In all mythology, few couples have been as powerful and as well-paired. Their romance is the most popular Egyptian myth and one of the great tragic love stories. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. We also now have merchandise. Head to parcast.com slash merch for more information. As the goddess of nature, medicine, and compassion, Isis is the protector of mankind. She's also the goddess of magic and one of the most powerful deities in the Egyptian pantheon. Throughout her story, Isis struggles to balance her great power and her great kindness. Rather than destroy her enemies, she shows them mercy, allowing them to challenge her another day. Her determination and cleverness, however, nearly always win out. Osiris, her great love, is the god of fertility and a master cultivator of the earth. He was known throughout the world for his great wisdom. He's also known for the inventions he gave to mankind to ease their hardship. Like Isis, he is extremely intelligent and, at times, far too trusting. The myth of Osiris and Isis begins long before either was born. In the very beginning, Atem, the first god, created himself out of nothing. When he became lonely, he created two children, Shu, the god of air, and Tefnu, the goddess of water. They, in turn, had two children, Geb, the god of the earth, and Nut, the goddess of the sky. When Atem saw he was no longer alone, he embraced his family and wept. His tears fell to the earth and became the first people. For a time, these people lived in harmony, but they did not know to worship the gods. Before long, Atem grew displeased with this lack of respect. Atem forced Nut, the goddess of the sky, to help him. She amplified his rays to a dangerous degree, burning the people's skin and drying up their water. How long must we do this, Grandfather? Until we're honored as we deserve. Don't you dare feel sorry for these creatures. They brought this on themselves. Newt nodded and brightened the rays even more so. Atem was surprised by how powerful his granddaughter had become, how easily she turned his sunshine into a weapon. After watching Newt's power, Atem feared that the birth of more gods would result in a new god whose power could surpass his own. Struck by fear at the ease with which she punished and killed the mortals, Atem barked out a command. You are not to have children on any day of the year. This is my decree. As you say, grandfather. Newt was devastated until she realized she could simply make more days days outside the year. 
she stole several days' worth of light from the moon. Then she created as many children as she could with her husband, the god of the earth, Geb. On the first new day, Newt gave birth to a son, Osiris. When he was born, a loud, mysterious voice boomed from the heavens. The Lord of all advances to the light. A mighty and beneficent king has been born. None of the gods could discern where this voice had come from or who it belonged to, but everyone had heard it, including Atem. Upon hearing the voice, Atem knew that his granddaughter had subverted his commands. He initially grew angry, but the power of that unknown voice quelled any thought of retribution. He would hold on to the throne as long as he could, but his replacement had been born and there was nothing he could do now that his fate was sealed. After Osiris, Newt gave birth to twins, Isis and Neptis. These sisters were opposite in every way. Isis truly cared for others. Neptis thought only of herself. Yet for all her selfishness, Neptis was never truly malevolent, not like Seth. Seth was the last child born and the god of chaos and violence. From the time he was little, Seth was devious and mean-spirited, the foil to his virtuous brother, Osiris. Seth thrived on confusion and loved to play tricks on gods and humans alike. In time, he would grow to become evil incarnate. In the meantime, Osiris married Isis and Neptis married Seth. It was common among the gods for brothers and sisters to marry, since gods could only propagate with each other. This convergence of the gods' sacred powers created stronger children with every generation. As these four children came into their own, each developed a strong magic, as Atem had feared. The sun god, however, had one last defense. A secret name? What do you mean he has a secret name? His name is Atem. Why does no one ever heed me? I'm saying our great-grandfather has another name from before we were born. What is it? How would I know? It's a sacred sound, the oldest in creation. He'd never say it aloud, the old tyrant. If he did, his magic would disappear. You should not be so disrespectful. <laughs> Please. You hate him more than anyone. Don't you wish to stop everything he's doing to your precious people? We all know how powerful your magic is. Just kill him. I... I could never do that. Fine. Just know I am only trying to help. Isis pondered Neptis's proposition. Of all the gods, Isis had the best command of her magic. Every day, she was discovering new spells. And after hearing her great-grandfather torture mankind for eons, this goddess of compassion was disgusted. Over time, fury bloomed within her, finally driving her to listen to her sister and set out to trick Atem, who had grown old and weak. Every day when he crossed the sky, long strands of drool fell to earth from his mouth. Taking one of these strands and a bit of earth, 
Isis used her magic to mold a powerful snake. She placed this snake at the edge of the horizon and waited. When did the sky get so big? I can't wait to go home, lie down. The snake's venom worked quickly. Atem began to shiver and sweat with fever. As this cruel old tyrant writhed in pain and begged for help, Isis appeared. Isis, great-granddaughter, I need your medicine. The pain is unbearable. Like the pain you inflict upon mankind? There's no time to argue. Act quickly, I beg you. Tell me your name. My name? It's Atem. No, great-grandfather, your real name. If you want to live, you'll tell me. Now. I... I won't. Isis turned and began to walk away. Uh, uh, wait, I'll tell you. My true name is... Ra. Ra, that was the true name of the Egyptian sun god. When Isis tricked it out of him, he lost his magic, as Isis had hoped. What she didn't know, however, was that she absorbed all of his power. Isis was now the most magical god to ever live. Isis cured her great-grandfather's snakebite, but left him powerless. Unable to rule, the old god prepared to step down. He called all nine of his descendants together to announce his decision and to select a successor. The choice had been made long before the meeting. The voice that spoke at Osiris's birth had declared him the king, and all the gods knew. And so Osiris became the next king of Egypt, the ruler of the world, and Isis became his equal queen. They finally had the chance to bring peace and harmony back to the world. Little did they know, a new evil lurked in the shadows. While the suffering of mankind would soon come to an end, the suffering of Osiris and Isis was about to begin. We'll learn about the couple's trials and tribulations after this. And now, back to the story. Osiris, the god of fertility, and Isis, the compassionate goddess of nature and magic, had just ascended to the throne of Egypt. They immediately set to work. Isis distributed her remedies to every person in the country, healing the wounds they'd endured from the harsh sun god. Osiris put his great intellect to work, sharing agriculture, laws, and even art and music with the people of Egypt. Before long, the first civilization came into being. Throughout all of this, Seth, the god of violence and chaos, was strangely quiet and always seemed to be watching Osiris. He's hiding something. I have a bad feeling. Be careful of paranoia. That's what destroyed our great-grandfather. I destroyed our great-grandfather. And if our brother Seth tries to harm either one of us, I have no qualms with destroying him too. I've never heard you talk this way. You are exhausted, are you not? That has nothing to do with it. Every time Seth is near, he looks at you like a jackal looks at Carrion. He's adjusting to the situation. 
He once was just our brother, and now he's our subordinate. That can't be easy for him. I've never spoken these words before, but I feel your judgment is clouded. My judgment has never been sharper. While I respect your intuition, I prefer to worry about spreading civilization past Egypt to the millions that still suffer worldwide. That's our goal, isn't it? You're right. I'm becoming sidetracked. We still have so much to do. I'm going to bed. You won't be long, will you? No, I just need to take some notes on a new method of processing wheat. I call it fermentation. I can't wait to hear about it in the morning. In the morning, Isis awoke to find herself alone. Osiris's side of the bed was untouched. He was nowhere to be found. Osiris? Osiris? He's probably out gathering more wheat. Osiris! Isis continued searching, but instead of her husband, she found an unexpected visitor. There in the palace, asleep on the floor, was her twin sister. Neptis, what are you doing here? Huh? Oh, I, I slept here last night. Is everything all right? Seth and I had a fight. Worse than usual. Something's going on with him. What do you think it is? Does it matter? He's always mad at something. I'm going to leave. My head is pounding. Oh, sister, what have you done now? Let me ease your pain. I haven't done anything. Neptis pushed past her sister, overly eager, it seemed, to leave. As she did so, Isis noticed a garland of her favorite flower on a nearby table. Did Osiris bring those in? Have you seen him? Will you get out of my way? You're not telling me the truth. I told you, my head hurts. As your queen, I demand you tell me what you're hiding. Neptis cared very little for her sister's newfound authority, but if she disobeyed the order, she could be punished, like Atem. Osiris and I had sex. Isis's heart sank as she looked at her sister, confused, a terrible feeling formed in the pit of her stomach. Osiris was going on about this new wheat drink he made to reward people for being good, I guess. He thought I was you, I was angry at Seth, desperately lonely, and Osiris was so handsome. I desired him, and so I had him. Where's Osiris now? He left at dawn, declaring that he was going to bring civilization to the rest of the world. He asked if I would rule Egypt while he was gone, but obviously he thought he was asking you. Neptis pushed past Isis, leaving her all alone. Isis thought about getting angry with Osiris, but then she remembered he had been deceived by Neptis. Then she got angry at Neptis, but her anger could only last so long. After all Neptis had done, she and Isis were still sisters, and Isis, the goddess of compassion, did not have it within her to maintain a grudge against her sister. As her magic had grown stronger, so had her kindness and understanding, and she had no desire to harm another member of her family. So Isis forgave her husband and her sister, then set to work creating the world she had dreamed of for so long.
For years, Osiris traveled the globe. He brought law, religion, agriculture, and art to every city on the planet. In his absence, Isis maintained prosperity in Egypt. Each one remained focused on their task, accepting their loneliness as the price for saving the world. Such peace and prosperity was unsettling for Seth. As the god of chaos and violence, he was irritated by every change his brother and sister made. While Osiris and Isis became popular throughout the world, Seth amassed his own following of people through bribery and blackmail. In the darkest corners of Egypt, he became an underground ruler of the wretched and unsavory. He bided his time, waiting for the chance to strike. Finally, after 10 long years, Osiris's mission was complete and Seth had his chance. He intercepted Osiris on his path home. Brother, Seth? For the first time, Seth embraced Osiris in a hug. It's been too long. Welcome home. Th thank you. I've come with wonderful news. I've arranged a special banquet in your honor. I'm sorry, I... To celebrate the illustrious acts of service you have performed around the world. We have to hurry. We're already late. Not tonight. Come on, big brother. Live a little. Don't forget, it's the people of Egypt who wish to welcome you home. Would you give them that right, or has Egypt lost favor with you now that you've seen the rest of the world? Of course not. You're right. A celebration would be good for the people. Is Isis there? Seth had not invited her to his gathering, and he had no intention of doing so. She's been there for hours. Let's go! Seth had organized a very elaborate party for his brother. There was music, food, drink, and a hundred lively Egyptian citizens, humbled, it seemed, to be in the presence of two gods. Osiris was touched by his brother's gesture and excited at the proposition of a party. He was even more excited to come home to Isis after ten long years. Together, from Egypt, they would rule over everything, enjoying the balance they had worked so hard to establish. For once in his life, Osiris decided to relax and celebrate his promising future. Are you enjoying yourself, brother? Yes, yes I am. I can't quite learn the steps to this dance, though. Just have patience, that's the key. Speaking of which, I have one final surprise. Bring in the box! Seth had ordered a special box to be made, the first of its kind. It was large and ornate, covered in gold and beautifully carved. No one had ever seen anything like it. I've commissioned this beautiful box to celebrate the return of my older brother, your king. Whosoever can fit perfectly inside can take it as their own. Who shall make an attempt? Everyone took turns lying down inside of the box to see if they could fit, but no one did. People were either too tall or too short, too fat or too thin. It seemed as though no one would win the box until Osiris raised his hand. Let me give it a try. Afraid not, brother. You have too many treasures as it is. Osiris didn't care about the box. More than anything, he wanted to participate. Everyone else has already tried. What's the harm? Your king wants to give it a try. 
Should we see if it fits? But Seth already knew the box would fit Osiris. It had been custom-built with measurements of Osiris that Seth had tortured out of Osiris's royal tailor. How does it feel, brother? Very comfortable. I think I might have won. Do you think your king fits in the box? Then let's show him what he's won. At that moment, the 100 guests brought down the box's lid and held it tight. Inside, Osiris struggled and screamed as molten lead was poured over him, sealing what had become his coffin. The party guests, who had been Seth's supporters all along, lifted the coffin and flung it out the window into the Nile. Osiris may have been a god, but no god could withstand suffocating, drowning, and burning to death in molten lead. Not far away, in her palace, Isis was waiting for Osiris to return. Finally, she thought they would be reunited. Then, Isis heard a great commotion from across the Nile. Isis made her way to the people there to see how she might help them. What do we do now? What do we do? Everyone, avert your eyes! It's her, the queen! That's not necessary. What's happened here? Why do you all cry out? Forgive us for our grief, great goddess. We are certain it pales in comparison to the loss you feel. Whatever do you mean? Please, your highness. I'm not sure what to say. We will go home. I command you tell me now, what have I lost? Osiris, your highness. The king? He's been murdered by the great god Seth. With that, Isis collapsed. She let forth a cry so loud it shook the earth. She ripped large clumps of hair from her scalp and tore at her clothes. Fearing for their lives, the people of the Nile scattered and hid. When Isis regained her senses, she cried out a solemn vow for all to hear. I will travel the Nile to the ends of the earth until Osiris is found. If there's any life left in him at all, I will save it, no matter the cost. We'll follow Isis's search for Osiris after this. And now back to the story. As Isis set out in search of her husband's body, the gods convened without her. They were in shock. A god had never died before. Nobody knew what to do. Unlike the last meeting of the gods, Seth sat front and center. You killed your own brother? My son, do you realize what you've done? Everything I've done, my sister Isis did first. I devised a plan, I lay in waiting, and I took down the king. By your previous logic, the throne is now mine. Absolutely not. Are you going to stand in my way, great-grandfather? Or you, father? Cowards, all of you, weak, pathetic cowards! With Osiris dead and Isis gone, no other god would dare challenge Seth. He ascended the throne and immediately set about throwing the world back into the chaos he so loved. First, he flooded the Nile with storms, destroying everything near the riverbanks. Then he brought drought upon the land, his reign was worse than that of his great-grandfather, Atem, 
for Seth was truly sadistic and unpredictable. Shortly into his reign, the people of Earth turned on each other again, returning to their cannibalistic ways. From a boat upon the Nile, Isis watched as the world fell apart, along with her husband's legacy. Though her chances of finding Osiris were slim, Isis would not give up. The fate of the world now depended solely on her. Years passed as Isis scoured the Nile for Osiris. She'd asked thousands of people if they'd seen his golden box, but no one had. Until one day she neared the town of Byblos. There, rumors had spread that some type of chest had floated to the shore and gotten stuck in a bush. This bush grew, unnaturally, into an enormous tree. Upon hearing this story, for the first time in years, Isis grew hopeful. She hurried to the shore by the castle of the king of Byblos. She saw the mighty tree of rumor and knew at once that Osiris was near. But there was no box in sight. She transformed her appearance and morphed into a young girl to hide her identity. She thought people might speak to her more freely if they didn't realize she was a god. She sat at a wellspring by the entrance to the castle, dejected and in tears. When anyone asked why she was crying, she replied, I refuse to talk to anyone but the queen's maidservants. If you want to know why I'm here, go and fetch them. Before long, the maidservants emerged. You there, girl, why are you crying? What do you know of the mighty tree by the riverbank? Only as much as anyone else. Something floated into a bush from the river, and after that, the tree grew. Has anyone tampered with it since it sprung up? We don't know about tampering, but the king of Byblos came down to admire the tree, as was his right. He was so taken with it that he removed a part of the trunk to use as a pillar in his mighty castle. Did he take the box along with it? We're not sure what box you mean, miss, and we don't have all day to talk. We have an audience shortly with the queen. Isis needed to get close to the king, and she saw her opportunity. An audience with the queen? Well, surely you're rushing to fix your hair and faces. I've taken enough of your time already. What is wrong with our hair and faces? Nothing, if you're simply talking to me. But I would think the queen demands perfection of all her subjects. The maidservants now looked at one another, particularly at the hair. It's just, well, you've been so kind to speak with me. Before I was forced to leave my home, I was a hairdresser. Please, allow me to thank you for your time by washing your hair. If you like what I've done, perhaps you'd ask the queen if there is room for me in her court? Well... Show us your skill first. Isis plaited the maidservant's hair with golden thread, perfumed them with sweet-smelling oils, and breathed a divine scent around them. Enchanted, the maidservants brought Isis directly to the queen. In the throne room, Isis nodded her head politely, not quite prepared to bow before a mere mortal. My maidservants tell me you are a girl of many talents, in need of work. Oh, yes, your highness. 
If there's anything you could do to improve my situation, I would be most grateful. I should consider you a trespasser, seeing as how you ambushed my maidservants on my property seeking employment. Oh, no, no. That's not it at all, Your Majesty. It's just... <laughs> oh, don't start crying. I've no sympathy for that. I don't mean to bother you. You're just the only one who can help. I've been traveling longer than I can remember from a distant land. My husband was murdered. I've lost my home. I just need... I need... <laughs> oh, my poor girl. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yell. Times are difficult everywhere, I know. What do you need? Food? Water? Isis had the queen right where she wanted her. She leaned in, breathed her divine scent, and bewitched the queen. Suddenly, the queen was suggestible. She would do whatever Isis asked. Isn't there a position you can offer me? Within the castle walls? You're such a nice young girl, and I do want to help. There must be something. At this moment, the young son of the queen, the prince of Byblos, <laughs> ran into the room to play. Felix, what are you doing? Can't you see your mother is busy? The boy doesn't mean any harm. At this, the young prince climbed up into the lap of the disguised goddess, curious about the young girl. He sensed somehow that she was very important. Isis liked him immediately. <laughs> You're a sweet boy, aren't you? Would you like to read something? That's it, the prince. You could be his tutor. Your Highness is too kind. I would be delighted to tutor your son, if you insist. And like that, Isis infiltrated the palace of the king. Her first night there, she went to investigate the new pillar. Inside, she discovered a secret chamber wherein lay the coffin of Osiris. She pulled at the coffin, but the tree had grown too closely around the box. Isis could not move it without harming Osiris's body or alerting the palace guard. Every night from then onward, Isis came to this chamber and transformed herself into a swallow, a bird that symbolized the souls of the dead. In this form, she sang out in memory of her husband. When morning broke, Isis always transformed back into a young girl and continued her work tutoring the Prince of Byblos. For months she worked there, and soon she felt peace. She was reminded what life was like when she was young. Then she remembered how each generation of her family had become more powerful than the last. She and Osiris had never conceived an heir. Now, however, Isis had an opportunity before her. If she could make the prince immortal, he could always be with her. She could teach him the ways of magic, and he could become her son. In time, who knew, perhaps he could challenge Seth and avenge Osiris's murder. One evening, when the prince was sleeping, Isis carried him to the secret chamber inside the pillar. Using her magic, she conjured a special blue flame that would eat away the mortal flesh of the sleeping prince. Isis laid the boy in the fire, 
uttered an incantation and transformed into a swallow, as she did every night. She flew across the room as the flames consumed the prince's mortality. Across the palace hall, the queen had been wakened by the noise from the ceremony. She found the chamber, rushed inside, and screamed out in horror at the sight of her burning child, interrupting the ritual. Startled, Isis transformed back into her true form and the magical flame died. The boy remained mortal and his mother recognized the deity immediately. Goddess Isis, the healer of humankind, what are you doing here? You foolish, I was so close, I was so close, and you, is all of life going to be like this? Suffering and disappointment. Am I to be alone forever? What are you doing with my son? Nothing now. In the morning, he'll wake and be as he was. I should leave this place. Nothing good can come from my stain. A thousand apologies, my goddess. Allow me to beg forgiveness for angering you. I knew not who you were. Allow me to repay you for my trespasses. Anything you ask, I will grant. Give me this pillar. This? The tree trunk that grew along the shore? It's yours. She may have been alone, but at least she could see her husband's corpse honored. Isis first destroyed the addition to the castle that had been built using the tree trunk. She then summoned a magical axe and hacked at the tree until the coffin could be fully removed, unharmed. In the morning, Isis loaded the box onto her boat and prepared to set sail. When the young prince awoke and saw what had happened, he rushed to the river and begged to go with the goddess. Though she could now never make him immortal, Isis had grown fond of the boy. She spoke to the king and queen, who considered it an honor for the prince to be selected by Isis. If she could teach the boy magic, he could prove useful in her mounting vendetta against her brother, Seth. If nothing else, she would have pleasant company for the long ride home. As Isis and the prince traveled back to Egypt, Isis thought more about Seth. She saw the people of Earth living in hardship because of his rule. Once again, Isis realized a tyrant would have to be deposed for the good of mankind. Once again, Isis would have to save the world. Isis found Osiris' body in the city of Byblos, an influential port city in a nation the Greeks called Phoenicia and the Hebrews called Canaan. The city of Byblos is not only mythologically significant, but it was historically significant as well. The region was known in ancient times as a supplier of cedar lumber, and Byblos was the most significant trading port from which the Egyptians would acquire this valuable material. It's no mistake that Isis retrieves Osiris' body from the inside of a massive tree. His acquisition from the pillar represents the value those pillars held in Egyptian society. Furthermore, Isis's nursing and later fostering of the Prince of Byblos then further strengthens the trade relationship between Egypt and the city. This interaction served as either a mythological explanation for the start of this beneficial relationship 
or a symbolic representation of the nature of this relationship. Yet relations between the two peoples were not always pleasant, and the next part of this story will suggest just as much. Next week, we'll conclude the story of Osiris and Isis. We'll find out the goddess's plan for revenge against Seth, see how she and Osiris came to be reunited, and learn how their myth impacted the entirety of Egyptian civilization. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back next Tuesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Mythology, as well as all of ParCast's other podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast directory. Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at ParCast Network. We'll be back next week with another epic tale. Mythology is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Kenny Hobbs, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, Maggie Admire, Paul Mahler, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Freddie Beckley. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tiana Camacho, Mike Capozzi, Jerry Courtney Austin, Kimberly Holland, Kai Jordan, Harris Markson, Alastair Murden, Sammy Nye, Julian Smith, and Rebecca Thomas. Mythology stars Vanessa Richardson. <laughs>